could read it publicly this morning and pray it may indeed be a blessing to us today. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a question you probably hear quite a bit this time of the year. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Especially the boys and girls might be asked that. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Very common question. What did you get? Did it please you? Was it what you expected? Did it satisfy you? Did it live up to your expectations? Well, maybe it did. Or maybe it did not. And of course, in this world in which we live, there's a lot of maybe it did not. Because this is also the time of the year of many unhappy returns that occur. Maybe it was more than one expected, though. And it made a very happy time for you. I hope that's true for the boys and girls, that they had some joy in opening gifts. But maybe it was less than one expected for some, and it left them a little empty. Sometimes Christmas can leave people a little empty for various reasons. And of course, feeling a little empty can happen throughout the year. It doesn't just have to happen at Christmas. There's a great deal of really both sides of things that happen every single day. Satisfaction and disappointment. It doesn't just have to happen at Christmas time. You know, people gain a great deal of satisfaction of accomplishing something. And maybe you think about that in your past week or you think about that in your past year and you think about some of those things that you were able to get accomplished, uh, maybe at home, maybe at work, and there's something satisfying about that. There's a lot of people who actually miss out on a lot of satisfaction in life simply because they don't seek to accomplish anything. They don't think about living like that. But you can get that when you're working at your job. You can be finishing a paper in time before the deadlines occur in college or in high school or you could score a goal for your team that won the game or you could knock yourself out by making a meal that your family appreciates or maybe, as happened yesterday, somebody marries the man or woman of their dreams. On the other hand, there are people who miss that game-winning catch or they are chronically burdened financially or physically or even politically oppressed. Just to name a few things. We live in that kind of a world as well. There are people who, who wish that they, they had a few more dollars in their pocket or a few more friends to whom they could turn. Or maybe they lost some of those friends due to illness and death. A few more days to finish a project if they could just find them. Or a few more chances to make things right. A bit more strength. A bit more power. A bit more pleasure out of life. Those are the things that happen not just at Christmas, but any time. There's trying times and there's triumphal ones. There's good times and bad. And we're living under a rock if we think that you don't have both of those things that happen in this world and in your life. There's those things that satisfy and then there's those things that kind of leave you empty. 
And they all come to us at one time or another, sometimes more severely, sometimes more magnificently. It's not always as so certain to us about what's going to come next. Because as we say biblically even, and we need to do that, right? We have to recognize that bit of uncertainty because we, we say if the Lord wills, then we will do this or that because we realize that, you know, ultimately we're not the ones in control. God is. We might make plans, but God might change those plans. At the beginning of 2023, there were many things that we could never have predicted for ourselves by the time the last sands of 2023 ran out. Some of those things were very satisfying for us, and some of them weren't. And it would be tempting for us to say, you know, if I was king, or if I was God, I'd make a point of making sure that, that everything that came my way was satisfying, or everything that came anybody's way was satisfying. I'd always be the winner. I'd never, I'd never feel pain. I'd always get it right. I'd never have to pinch a penny. I'd never forget where my keys are. I mean, whatever it might be. Those who heard from Jesus providing a bread that would give life to the world, no doubt had that mentality in responding to Jesus. Sir, give us the bread of satisfaction. Give it to us always, physically, materially. And then at least, at least we'd have this measure of feeling like even if everything isn't right in the world, at least it would be right with me. Well, we looked this morning at the provision of the bread of life. who gives satisfaction to those who come to him, but only under his terms, better terms, bringing certainty also in times when uncertainty seems so often to dictate the times in which we live. There is the satisfaction of the bread of life. There is the security of the bread of life. Taking a look a moment at that satisfaction that the Lord Jesus gives, it's the bread of life. It isn't exactly the kind of satisfaction that the people here are expecting. We've seen that in times past as we've looked here at John 6. Uh, for the most part, these people are looking mostly at a materialistic kind of savior or a materialistic kind of Christ. They're really not concerned about their spiritual relationship with God. That just seems to be a very secondary thing. That's not even an important thing uh, because all they're worrying about is that physical side of things. That's, that's not to say that Messiah wouldn't touch the physical side of things, because after all, he was going to be the one, as our passage says, would provide a resurrection at the last day. It's just that the satisfaction that was primary for these people is oftentimes what we see in our own lives today, or in, in society today, or that we're tempted to see in our lives, that it has nothing to do with the spiritual. Just give me what I need physically and satisfy what I need physically and that's one thing less on my to-do list. One less thing that I have to worry about when I'm providing for myself in this world. And what a bombshell then to hear that there was something more important to, the, to them than that or for them than that. <laughs> 
something that they needed even more than that. And it was Jesus himself who as the bread of life comes from heaven and as the bread of life satisfies their spiritual need that nothing else and nobody else could satisfy. To be locked in that way and then letting all these other things be added unto you. If that need isn't satisfied, if that, that's the key need, if that isn't locked in, then then it doesn't matter about all these other things you're seeking, right? There isn't any satisfaction. Whether a person realizes that or not. Not for this upcoming year. Not in looking back at this past year. Or any other year. Because none of that matters. Without that bread, without Christ, you, you, just, you can't look back at the, at the end of your life and you know, I mean, somebody might do it. They might look back at the end of their life and say, well, I did it my way. You know, you'll sometimes hear that in an unbelieving funeral. Somebody will sing that, right? Through it all, I did it my way. But that's not consoling. There's no real lasting and true satisfaction there because that way still keeps you dead. And you didn't follow God's way that lasts. Keeps you dead physically and, and spiritually. There isn't anything satisfying about that. Nothing very comforting about that. It's why we as a church have said always that our only comfort in life and in death is that we belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Now there's many things that provide you a, a, a measure of comfort of sorts during your life. I'm not denying that. But without a confession of Christ as our only true comfort, none of those other comforts really matter much, do they? None of them make a lasting difference. They need to be seen in the context of being founded in Jesus Christ. I, mean, I can have all kinds of sorts of things happen to me, and, and I do, and you do, throughout the year. Good, bad, indifferent. Blighty, blessings, prosperity, poverty, rain, drought, health, sickness, but what good? What sense can I find in any of it? Unless I first know that God the Father is working it all to my good because I'm His through the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we, we don't make sense of it at all. And people just grope for sensing and grope for meaning, and they'll say, well, that's just how fate works sometimes. There's no comfort in that. There's no meaning in that. There's no satisfaction in that. Better to be satisfied in being known as God's children in Christ, the bread of life. My satisfaction has to be based in knowing and believing that, that, that only Christ can give me everlasting life so that I no longer thirst or hunger spiritually. I'm no longer deprived of, of spiritual life because of my sin. I need to come as, as thirsty to the waters with no money. And, and yet buying and eating, spending money and not for what is bread and laboring not for what does not satisfy so that my soul may live. Like Isaiah 55 would say. That's where my satisfaction has to be based as I am, I'm entering 2024. Because only then 
will I be able to live life to the full? I may not know what's coming, but I know who's leading me through it. And that's what I need to know. Only then will I truly know a lasting satisfaction that nothing else can offer. The problem with the sinful heart is, is that it's not satisfied with that. It really doesn't want that bread. It doesn't think it needs that bread. It wants a bread that it thinks will satisfy, but, but cannot because it's not a bread that's divine and doesn't come down from heaven. It doesn't think that that what Jesus provides is enough to satisfy. Or that it can satisfy. It looks for it not from where it came from, from heaven, but looks for it somewhere on, on the earth. It either thinks it can add to what Jesus alone can provide us, uh, uh, or it wants a Jesus that will make them everything they want to be, instead of a Jesus that will make them all that they need to be. Right? And I've heard that in the times past, you know. Well, Jesus is the one who, who makes me everything that I want to be. That makes Jesus, that makes Jesus our slave, doesn't it? Jesus didn't come to make us everything that we want to be. He came to make us so that we would be everything that we need to be and be followers of him. You notice in our passage that these people grumble, and that's not unusual. You shouldn't, that shouldn't be surprising to us that that word is used there because they grumbled just like the Israelites grumbled before when the manna fell from heaven. They got sick of it. Numbers 11, 4, Exodus 16, verse 2, and 8 and 9. That's where the Israelites grumbled. They grumbled about the manna that came from heaven. They didn't want it. It wasn't enough for them to have the bread that came from heaven. It was just a, it was a, a, a bit of a precursor. It was a, a type of what was going to happen when Jesus actually came from heaven. Now you've got that grumbling going on all over again. Over again. Jesus comes down from heaven, and the people want something else. It's not good enough for them. And they reject the bread from heaven. They're sick of him. And they reject the bread from heaven because for one reason, they don't think he has come from heaven. You notice that also in our passage. They think they know Jesus is just like they are. He's the son of Joseph who came from Galilee, just like they did. There's nothing special about him. And what bothers them is that he is stating that he's more than that. He is the son of God who has come from heaven. And so part of the problem is that they don't like what he says he is. But at the same time, they don't like what he has to offer. They don't want to be filled spiritually. They just want to be filled physically. And it's a temptation that we all face with Jesus. Both to acknowledge him as the word made flesh, worthy of our trust and satisfaction, and then not to look at Jesus as simply somebody whose duty it is to simply give us everything that we want, as if that's the Father's will. That's not what the Father's will was for Jesus. He tells us that here in this passage. It is Jesus' duty, you see, we think, to make everybody well. It's Jesus' duty to make me a wealthy person. 
It's, a Jesus, it's Jesus' duty to make life easy for me. It's Jesus' duty that way. Sir, give us that, that bread always. No, the, the duty of the Son is not to give us all that we want. Right? The duty of the Son is to fulfill His Father's will. And the Father's will is for the Son to lose none of those who have been given to Him, but to raise them up on the last day. And that really leads us into our second point of security. That's what Jesus will accomplish. And that's what Jesus did accomplish. And and that is what Jesus could accomplish because He was the divine Son of God. He came from heaven. He was in partnership with the Father to save those whom the Lord had given to Him. And He wasn't going to lose any of them. All those who the Father has given to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out. That's security. In other words, whoever comes to me by way of the Father is going to be preserved by me. Through thick and thin. Through all that's happening in their lives. Through the things that they've been through, and in the things that they have yet to endure. This is also what the bread of life as the divine Son of God does. He, he not just satisfies our lack eternally and spiritually, but He also secures us in partnership with the Father eternally. We're always God's children in Christ. That's the comfort that we ought to have as we go into 2024. As you wake up tomorrow, tomorrow if the Lord allows you to do that, that you can wake up and say, what a great way to start a new year. I'm one of God's children. I'm not left as an orphan in this world. I'm not left to the to the the waving and the the rolling tides of fate. I belong to God. That's the way we ought all to consider January 1, 2024 and the days to come. And see, since this is all God's will and this is all that Jesus is going to accomplish, Jesus isn't in a panic here when people who have even seen him, he says, you know, you've even seen me. I'm the revelation of the Father. I'm God incarnate. And you don't believe in me. You're just calling me Jesus, the son of Joseph. He doesn't panic about it. The success of his mission isn't dependent on whether people are pleased with him or not. The success of his mission is dependent on whether he's pleasing the Father's will of saving all that the Father has given to him. That he will that what he will do is, is the divine Son of God and the bread of life who's come down from heaven as the divine Son of God. And you know, that's still true today. You know, the ministry of the church today, and it's tempting for, for pastors, for elders. It's tempting for ministers to think, you know, that 
that ministry is dependent on whether people are going to believe on Jesus or not. You know, I've been in that, I've been in that position for a long time now. And I've had people who've heard the gospel who don't give a rip. They just don't. Now there's a part of me that hates that. Right? Who just don't who don't care. You can tell them certain things and you'd think, did I did I actually say those things? I mean, are they true? If they're true, why don't they believe that? And they, they, they don't. And you you can get frustrated by that. But you know, the ministry, but but we ministers and, and, and elders shouldn't get in a panic about that. The ministry of the church today isn't dependent on whether people are going to believe on the Lord Jesus or not. It's not. The ministry of the church of, of Jesus Christ today is dependent on the sovereign grace of God that draws people to Christ so that they'll believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and know the spiritual satisfaction that only He can provide. And that's a satisfying thing, thing to see happen when you get to see professions of faith occur. That's God working in people's lives. We get to see that next week, Lord willing. But people try to make the winning of, of people to Christ the numbers game. You're a good church, and you've got a good ministry going, if you have tons of people in your church, and you're a bad ministry if you don't have anybody. No, the, the, the key to a ministry is, is, is not how big the church is. No, the, the, the key to ministry is that it's, it's faithful in, in proclaiming and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. The certainty of the ministry has been established long ago. Because the Lord Jesus obeyed his Father's will. And he went to the cross to save his people from their sins so that they'd be right with him. And those who would come to him drawn to the Father those who receive him as those born of God, those who believe in him, they'll come. You know, you have that in your own lives sometimes, don't you? you you're, you're, comp you're, you're out there trying to be faithful. You're trying to be a faithful parent. You're trying to be somebody faithful at your work, at various kinds of works you do. You're, you're trying to be faithful at school, at college. And you're carrying out all kinds of things in the name of the Lord. And not everybody always appreciates that. Or it doesn't always turn out the way you wish it could or wish it would. Well, you, you, cannot, you cannot dictate your life and how you're going to live based on whether people are going to respond the way you want them to respond. You, you can't control that, can you? But, but you can control being faithful. You can be good parents. You can be good at your job. You can be faithful at school. You can teach well. Right? There's all kinds of things that happen like that. I had it you know, a while back when the firefighters wished that they could have rescued somebody who had fallen and who had died. And and it saddened them. They, they did everything they could, and they couldn't. That person couldn't recover. Well, of course you wish they would have. 
But you have to take solace in having done your best, right? In being faithful to that which you, to which you have been called. And then you leave the results to the Lord. You can't control everything. But you can control being faithful. And that's what matters. And that's a good way to look ahead to 2024 as well. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 40, they'll all be taught by God. Isaiah was talking about the people of God being restored to a new Jerusalem following the Babylonian exile. And that prophecy speaks to us also. The only way to be brought into the new city of God, out of the exile of demonic Babylonian activity, is by the grace of God drawing us away from the evil city to the new city. But if he's the one who's doing it in sovereign grace, the security and the the certainty and the assurance of a lasting life in, this, in that city is established then, you see. And that's why Jesus was saying in our passage, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes, that is, believes on him as the bread of life, will have eternal life. That's a done deal. Jesus has accomplished it, and God in his sovereign grace moves us to that faith. And no wonder this is a trustworthy statement, worthy of acceptance and assurance for us. Eternal life for the believer doesn't have to be something that's doubted. It can be a certainty for us. And with that certainty comes hope for the future. Because you know that you're going ahead into that future, not as a child of the devil, but a child of God. And you can face that future even with the uncertainty that that future so often brings because you're not going there alone. You're going there with your Heavenly Father leading you. And that assurance is something that you can hang your spiritual hat on as you're looking into 2024. And with even greater vision to eternity. You know, we may not always be satisfied physically in this world. But that doesn't mean that there isn't reason for peace of heart. Things may not always be clear and, and certain for us into what we need to do next. I just had a conversation of that not that long ago with someone. So I'm just not sure where we're heading yet with some things. Time will tell. They didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. But there is certainty for the believer of Jesus Christ as the bread of life, that eternal life is ours both now and for eternity. And it means that the sovereign grace of God has been at work in us. And it means that there's a satisfaction that the world can never give you. And it is a satisfaction that will put everything else in its place properly. And it'll be a satisfaction of your sins forgiven. And the peace of God and the peace with God given to you. Of that you can be certain. And that's the good news of the gospel. That tells us don't be afraid of the future. It's the good news that you can take into 2024 and into eternity. And it's not because of you. 
And it's not because of anything or not anybody else. Thanks only to Jesus Christ. Because he's the bread of life that provides that kind of satisfaction for you and that kind of security as you head into 2024. That future. Uncertain how it can be in certain ways. But certain for us when we've known Christ. Amen.